I'm Emily Kostopoulos, and this is the Stand to Serve podcast, where I interview the makers, the creators, the dreamers that are standing up to serve in the bravest, scariest way possible by being the person they were meant to be no matter what. We're talking about the vulnerability of accepting that challenge, of taking a stand to fill the role you were meant to step into, of overcoming fear and self-doubt and how doing so can change the world we live in. They all have a story to tell and I just can't wait to help tell it. Hey everyone, I'm so excited for this episode. If you are new tuning in, thank you for being here. I hope that you find something in this episode that inspires you to live the life you're meant to live. If you've tuned in before and you're coming back, thank you. I sure appreciate it. So today I am talking with a Black Hills legend. And if you haven't been here to the Black Hills, and if you haven't been to this place, Oh, goodness. Let's get it in the calendar. So Eliza of Skogan Kitchen is on the podcast today. And Skogan is just, it's just a legend. And their story is just as incredible as the food that they serve, the menu they have created, the brand they have built. And I'm so excited for you to jump in. As always, if you head over to standtoserve.com backslash episode 34, I've written down all my key takeaways, all the links to where you can find Eliza and what she is doing online. And of course, a hand-lettered print of my very favorite quote from this episode. So let's dive on in. Eliza. So I was, um, I grew up in a small town in Minnesota called Lindstrom and Mm -hmm. it's a small Swedish town, very sweet place to grow up. You know, I pretty much started elementary school and then graduated from that school and just loved being there. And I went to school at 18, first child to kind of go to college. And I went to UW Stout in Wisconsin And I don't know if you want me to go into all this detail, but I went there for a year and changed my program and then went back to Minneapolis. And at 20, I decided I was going to move to California. Really? What part of California? Um, I moved right down Newport Beach, right on the peninsula in uh, Orange County. Oh, awesome. I grew up in San Diego and my grandparents live in Orange County still. So So what did you do in California? So I, when I was in Minnesota, I finished my associate's degree of science and did a dental assisting program. And so I got like six job offers in the first week I moved out there and I took the best one that I thought was great. And they actually wanted me for the front of the house, not actually the dentist assistant. They were like, you're just, your personality's for the front of the house. We'd love to offer you that. And I said, okay. So I did all like the billing and treatment plans and it was super fun. I worked under this really great lady named Mary and she ran the show and she, you know, I was 20, she was probably 27, 28. And she just showed me a lot of, as far as that part of it went. And then you know, in, in California, you need extra funds. So on the weekends, I got a restaurant job. 
Mm-hmm. And I love this restaurant. I was just a hostess at a really fine dining place in Newport, right on the peninsula called The Cannery. And I happened to work there for five years, which was awesome. But I left the dental office in two and a half years. And it was just too mundane for me. And The Cannery had offered me a full-time hostess position. And I just, you know, that was one of the moments where... I called my grandma and she's like, well, why aren't you going to do what you went to school for? And I was like, because I love the restaurant. And Mm. she still doesn't, I mean, she doesn't understand and that's okay. She tries, but I just went full-time hostess there, uh, worked my way up as a cocktail server, then a morning server. And then like the final step was the evening server and which is very, you know, people do this for their careers out there. Yeah. And then they offered me a management position and Joseph and I had met, which that we can kind of go into that story, but, um, and we were going to move to South Dakota. So I didn't take the management position. So I don't know much about you at all, other than going to your restaurant and just like, it is such a gem And so I'm I'm really glad you shared that story because I also went to school for something that I'm not doing anymore. (laughs) I went to school to be an engineer and now I, you know, have a podcast and I'm figuring out what I want to be when I grow up kind of thing. And so I, I like that you shared that. What about the restaurant industry? Like, did you love that caught your attention? And, you know, you know, every day is a new day. And depending on your attitude, you can make the best of it or or the worst, but you don't know who you're going to run into and what you're going to encounter. And I think food is so important in nurturing your body and people are vulnerable with food Mm. and to be in that situation and to make you like have the experience of not only wonderful food, but an amazing experience is so important to me. And it makes what I do so like worth everything. It may not be saying that right, but it's very special. Those moments and connecting with people on that kind of a level Mm -hmm. is very intimate. So have you always been into food and like growing up and stuff? Was that a part of? You know, I always loved to like find dining places in my small town. Like we would go to prom and Olive Garden was like our really fun, fine dining. And, uh, you know, I didn't really know much because, you know, we're just in a small town and you don't get to the cities very often. And it's just kind of not the normal thing. But then when I moved out to Southern California, I had sushi for the first time. I had culture. I had Mexican food and I couldn't even eat a jalapeno to start because <laughs> it was just pretty bland. But my mom is a, is a great cook and she always did really fun things, but more traditional. And um, when I started at the restaurant, I was like, whoa, like all this stuff. It was, it's a seafood place and it was just a lot of fun food. And then I just got more interested. I wanted to go out and eat good food. And I lived in California for seven years. So I've been here almost like 10 years ago. And I think that that's when like the culture, especially out in Southern California, it started really blowing up, Hmm. like finer dining. and, And maybe it was there before and I never noticed, but I feel like a lot of chefs are 
just going, it's amazing what they do. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of follow that. And uh, I just love eating. I mean, it's my favorite thing to do. Well, one of <laughs> It's just a fun experience mm-hmm. to try new flavors and what chefs create. It's an art. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a good segue into, so how did you and Chef Joseph meet? So I had worked there at the cannery for about three years before Chef came to the restaurant. And he was a sous chef and his head chef was offered the position at the cannery to take over and really refine the cannery and make it into not like a 1980s kind of themed like style menu, but to like really evolve this restaurant to keep it alive. And so he came about three years after I was working there and we were just friends, just uh, always friends. We had dated other people and, but you know, you have conversation and he was always very sweet and very intelligent. We always just had fun with our conversations So I remember I had broken up with my boyfriend of three years and I was kind of bummed. We'd lived together. I'd never lived with a guy before. And anyways, Joseph was there, you know, just being a friend and saying, you know, talking and whatever. But he was also my my manager because he's a sous chef and I was a waitress at the time. Mm -hmm. And so... I kind of felt like he had a crush on me, like, and then all the girls, you know how certain, I don't know if you've ever been in the industry, but the restaurant life is so funny. And the girls will be like, oh, he totally has a crush on you, but he's (laughs) shy. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, all right, but he's like a manager. So I don't know. So one night just randomly, he's like, you know, if there's ever anything I could do for you, you just let me know. And it was like this perfect opportunity for me to say, and and I, I took the opportunity. I said, yeah, you could give me your number. Oh. And I was like being serious, but halfway joking because I didn't know if he would because he was, you know, in that position. So I didn't hear anything from him the rest of the shift. Well, meanwhile, he was going upstairs to talk to the general manager and call HR to see if he could actually give me his number. Oh. <laughs> And so that night, later on that evening, I'm like getting ready to go. And here he comes walking up and he has this little piece of paper. I still have it. And it says Chef Joe with a heart and his number. Oh, and that's I mean, the rest is kind of history. I mean, we just really hit it off. And uh, our first date, he took me to the ballet Sleeping Beauty and the before the ballet, which was amazing show. He had his friend cook us like an eight course tasting dinner at his friend's restaurant. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is so fun. And then we went to the ballet and I mean, it's just, it's been a kind of a fairy tale ever since. And we moved in together like three months later and we moved out here very quickly after that. Starting a business, running a business working on a side hustle, pursuing your dreams, it all takes a lot of work and a lot of time, a lot of checking things off your to-do list while continuously adding more to it. When I first started my side hustle, I had a very full-time job as well. 
I didn't have more time or energy or hours in the day to dedicate to growing this business. I didn't even have time to throw an ad out there looking for someone to hire. So I enlisted the help of Rock Solid Assistance. I met with Tracy and told her my struggles, my goals, what I needed and wanted in a virtual assistant. And she did the work for me, matching me with someone who fit my criteria. Megan has been a game changer, a lifesaver, and a huge asset in growing my business. I would not be where I'm at now without her and the work Tracy did to match us up. What else could you achieve in your life, in your business, in your career if you had some help? Not a full-time employee, maybe just 10 hours a week. What could you do with those extra hours? If you want to find out, visit rocksolidassistance.com backslash STS for stand to serve for 15% off your first two months. And if you want to hear more about Megan and how we work together, be sure to listen to episode 25. So what brought you guys out to South Dakota? You know, California is wonderful and it has a lot of pros, but also some cons that me growing up in a small town, it's just, it's not the same, Mm -hmm. you know? And at the end of the day, I knew I wanted to marry Joseph. We weren't married yet, but I knew that if we wanted to be married and eventually start a family and ever open up a restaurant, we couldn't do that in Southern California. I didn't want to raise a family out there. Mm -hmm. So When we first started dating, I said, just so you know, one day I want to move back to the Midwest. This isn't for me forever. So I think you should know that before we get involved, because if you don't want to do that, then we shouldn't start dating because this place just isn't for me forever. It's fun. It's just, yeah. And he said, no, I think I could do that one day. And so like a year later, we started looking at homes in South Dakota, in the Black Hills, It's somewhat close to my hometown. It's about a nine-hour drive. Chicago for the food scene and Austin, Texas for the food scene. And it's just kind of a funny story. He got a random weekend off and he hooked up with a realtor up in Spearfish. And that's where we found some homes that we were interested in, that Rapid City and Hot Springs. And he's like, babe, I'm going to go out to South Dakota you don't really need to get the same weekend off because you don't get weekends off in the restaurant industry. And he's like, we probably won't like it. So I'll just go out there and kind of see what the Black Hills are like. And I'm like, okay. And I remember driving through the Black Hills as a child, but never really realizing how beautiful they are. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really, I'm thinking the prairie mostly. I'm thinking what I'm used to coming from Minnesota, thinking South Dakota is just flat and prairie-like. So he comes out, sees the homes and Spearfish Rapid and Hot Springs, and he's like, they're just not for us. It's not the right style of home, and the towns just aren't right for us. So the last day, the realtor says, I would love to bring you to this home in Custer. And Joseph's like, you know, it's just a little small for us. We're coming from such a big, you know, city. And he's like, will you just trust me and come to this home. It meets everything you're looking for. And Joseph's like, okay. So he calls me up. He's like, I'm going to this place in Custer. I'm like, what? Custer? And he's like, I don't know. We'll check it out. Well, he calls me a half an hour later and he's like, I just made an offer on the home. What? And she accepted. And it was insane. It was like, I was like, what? And he was like, it's the perfect town. You're going to love it. He knew this is exactly what I wanted. And the house is just 
exactly what we want. So we moved eight months later. Oh my goodness. So you didn't, neither of you are from this area. Nope. And you had never even really lived here before deciding to move here. No. Again, like I said, I drove through here as a kid going out to California on a road trip. But, you know, you just don't realize that stuff until, and yeah, we moved eight months later and I hadn't seen the home or anything. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful place. Wow. Like what went through your mind? Like the first time you stepped into your, your new home, were you just like, did you feel at home right away? Well, yeah, I loved it. When we were getting like ready to land in Rapid City and I'm start seeing all these trees I'm like, why is there a bunch of trees? And why didn't you tell me? Like, I was really prepared to be like in the middle of nowhere on this like farm prairie. I have no idea what I was expecting. I I had no clue. But then I like, like this place is so beautiful. And the drive from Rapid City to Custer Mm -hmm. is so beautiful in itself. And then we got to the home and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just gorgeous. And, you know, we could have never bought a, I mean, maybe eventually in Southern California, but to come to it like this place and be at a, something so sweet, you Mm -hmm. know, it was just right. Wow. I love that story. So you guys both moved out here. Did you have like an idea of what you wanted to do out here? Did you both move out here with the thought that you'd, you know, figure it out? Yeah. You know, we didn't have jobs. We didn't know what we were going to do. We were prepared to do whatever. We had no idea what this place had to offer. You know, we're not from here. So we took about a month off to settle into the home and paint and just make it our home. And then I got a job at a restaurant in town. And then I did that. And Joseph didn't work until he got a job at a restaurant in town. And then I got a substitute teaching job at the school when school started. And I loved that. That's what I originally went to school for at UW-Stout. I love kids, but I love the restaurant more, you know? Mm -hmm. So Joseph was working at another restaurant in town and he was a chef and he wasn't able to fully cook to his potential and his goals. And one night, and at the restaurant I worked at, they had a different location before. And they said, you know, if you and Joseph ever want to open up a restaurant, we've got the perfect little place around the corner. And I kind of took it as like, no, that that's just not going to happen, at least not for a couple more years, because we're just kind of figuring it out. And this town, I guess. And Then I approached Joseph about it and he was like, really? And then he's like, do you think we could do this? And I was like, I don't know if we could, you know, just figure this out because I've never ran a restaurant before. Joseph's really kind of, he's done like the whole managing and ordering and budgeting and all that stuff for a restaurant, but I, I never had. And so then we kind of put it off, like, we'll do this maybe in a couple of years. Well, then he was just like, you know, I can't work at another place and not be able to cook the way I'm going to cook. I need to cook. If I'm going to continue to be a chef, we need to open something or I need to find something else to do. 
because I, I can't do it that way. And I said, you know what, let's just do it. And he's like, we can't do it this year. And I said, we're doing it this year. So we moved here in July. We decided in February that we were going to open up our own location. Oh my gosh. And we worked March and we quit our jobs in April and we opened May 4th of 2017. Oh my goodness. So we took a month to just get the current building ready. I was painting in my dreams. It was, there was so much work to be done. We were going to auctions and just to find like a kitchen equipment and a lot of places in Denver where restaurants are only open three months, you know, they want to just get rid of stuff because it's just a, you know, it's restaurants are a 90% failure rate. And so just for you to make it a year is huge in any restaurant. And uh, so we were just like, let's do this. We had $30,000 saved up and that's how we opened up the restaurant. And uh, it was just crazy. We were crazy for doing what we did in that a short amount of time. Well, that gives me chills thinking about now how much like your restaurant is just like so well known, you know? So it's so crazy to hear how you started so quickly and how to make it work so fast and that restaurants have such a high failure rate. Like that's so, I mean, good for you guys. It must be pretty incredible looking back. Yeah. And seeing how hard you worked and then, and almost like, just grateful that you got started. Yeah, so grateful. Most people, one, they don't take the risk because it's very scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, two, it's a big challenge for any relationship, you know, and it's a beast, but it's been the best thing that's ever happened to us. Mm-hmm. And there was like, it's like a flight or fight. You know, you you either get this done and you do it because this is your only option it was our only option for his happiness and mine. It was our only option. And it was just a wonderful thing that we could do. Wow. Thankfully. Yeah. I feel like I have so many questions just wrapped up around that. And I I hope they can come out in a way that makes sense. But first of all, I'm sure like you guys made really big moves really quick. Like to move yes. from Southern California to a place that you had never been and then decide to open a restaurant in a very small town. I mean, how did you, like on the days of doubt, of fear, of like, what are we getting ourselves into? Like during that first, you know, time of getting it up and running, like what did you find that helped you keep moving through it and stuff? Yeah, you know, I am so good about being optimistic, thankfully, because my husband on the other side is definitely more pessimistic. And I'm the one that kind of brings him up and really just sheds light on anything. So I didn't really have any doubts. And I'm going to be honest with you, that sounds super silly. But my mom, she's like the most positive person. And she really like trained me to be very positive. Mm -hmm. And if you have negative thoughts, you just say, you know what, those negative thoughts, these doubts don't work for me. And immediately just kind of tell yourself like, that doesn't work for me. And until there's like evidence that it actually isn't going to work, then why are you worrying about it? It's such a waste of your time. And so that he gets almost frustrated with me, especially at the beginning, how optimistic I was. 
And I just have to laugh because mm-hmm. one, I get a little nervous that he gets mad about it. But two, I don't have the doubt. And I knew if we put hard work into something and there's passion and there's love behind what we're doing and we're doing, you know, what we need to do, it has to work. Mm. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And I'm such a believer in just small little mindset shifts can change everything. And I love what you said that you just told yourself that those thoughts didn't work for you. I mean, that's so amazing. I mean, it's easier said than done, of course, but that's really beautiful. I know. And it's like, but those situations present themselves all the time. We had a guest just last night, for example, that he walked in the door with his sister and his wife and he did not want to be at Skogan. And there was no cheering him up. He just didn't want to be there, unfortunately. Hmm. It just wasn't his style. So I go over to the table and I'm kind of, I hop around like a little bunny each table and I kind of, I get to know the tables and just, I kind of shed like my positivity on each table. And so this gentleman, he's eating a dish and he doesn't like it because it's not his style. But I don't even know if it was, he was still eating it, but if it was just the whole scene he didn't like or just whatever. And, um, you know, I tried my hardest to shed like light on him and, and just make the situation better, but he just didn't want it. And my husband, now these dishes that he creates, he puts his whole like personality and heart Mm -hmm. and everything into a dish. And then like, it's like a painting. It's a perfect picture to him. And when people don't appreciate it, it hurts him, you know? So he instantly gets hurt. And then there's that energy and vibe in the restaurant. And then this guy's upset. And But, you know, what I do is just, I don't want to kill him with kindness doesn't mean, you know, it's so, so broad. But I just went up to him and I said, I'm really sorry this wasn't to your liking. I'm going to take care of your dinner tonight. And all this stuff. And he's like, you don't have to do that. That's too generous. And I said, I do have to do that because you're not happy. Hmm. And until you're happy, then, you know, we're okay. We don't, I don't need to take anything from you. And he left and he was, you know, whatever he was, I, I don't know if it made his day better or didn't, but it's just situations like that and just trying and, keeping it positive, even if something like that is, is a negative situation. And, you know, I could have gotten my feelings hurt and, you know, but that's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. You just, you try. And if somebody's not happy, well, you try to make them happy any way you can. Yeah. I think the way you were just describing with the dishes being like a work of art, I mean, anytime you're putting your creativity you're showing your creativity to the world and whether that's in on a canvas or on a plate, whatever it is, it can be incredibly vulnerable. And mm-hmm. especially, you know, something where you guys probably have a lot of locals, but you probably have a lot of yeah. tourists. And I mean, it's amazing that people travel near and far to get to you. But it also, I guess I didn't think about the other side of that, that the vulnerability of, you know, of showing what you create and what you put on the plate every day can be hard. 
it if somebody doesn't like it, which is so shocking to us because it doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that's like the second time that's ever happened to us. And we're going on our third summer coming up here. And it's unbelievable to me because how wonderful my husband's cooking is, but it is believable. And you try to please everybody. And and sometimes you just can't. Mm -hmm. And that's reality. You just can't, you know, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. But it is a bit of a challenge sometimes if somebody isn't a hundred percent team Skogan, which uh, most people are. And Mm -hmm. so it does affect that. But again, there's so much good. We got a wonderful email the other day from a big family that came in last week. And she's like, wow, like we get the pleasure of dining in North America, all over Europe, all over the world. And my family and us, and they live in Rapid. We've decided that's our favorite dining experience we've ever had. Wow. And, and it's just like little things like that. It's like, wow, like it's so important. Mm-hmm to be doing what we're doing. It is. It is. And what a blessing to the Black Hills to have. I mean, you guys just come in and go full force. It's amazing. I mean, it's we love it. Yeah. So tell me over the last like three years, like what has been the craziest part to you or like the biggest lesson you've learned or does something stand out to you of like a something maybe that you weren't expecting with opening such a high-end restaurant in a small town in a small community? Does anything come to mind like that? You know, what comes to mind for me is actually, and I I know I'm mentioning my husband a lot in this, but it's actually our relationship as a husband and a wife and as a GM and a chef, which is a very different situation. Hmm. And I think that's been a bit of a challenge for me, and I wasn't expecting it, that you are a husband and a wife and you're running a business together. And then when you're running the business together, he's the chef and you're the GM. And the way that those people communicate is so much different than a husband and wife, but you have to differentiate and tell yourself, and I find myself trying to do this still is, oh, he's talking to me as a GM, not as a wife. Most restaurants, the general manager and chefs do not get along. Mm. They usually butt heads. It's like this war between a front of the house and the back of the house, mm-hmm. always, because the chef is trying to do what he does, and the GM is trying to see what the guests need, and then they're trying to work together, but sometimes it doesn't fit. And I am I'm terrible at this. I have to probably go to therapy for it to say no to people mm. when we're overbooked or I can't get them in because we have too many reservations. It's so hard for me to say no. So I'll just be like, oh, I'll just sneak him in just because it's like somebody wanting to try what you've made and you telling them no. And it's so hard for me. Yeah. So those things being so busy and not managing it just right and then kind of figuring out, differentiating being a GM and being a wife and him being a husband and being a chef. Because the chefs, I don't know if you're familiar, they have very intense jobs. Mm -hmm. And both the GM and the chef have seconds to act on certain situations. 
when you're a full restaurant and you're a little bit behind or something, you know, there's just seconds where you have to act and you have to hopefully act in the right way. But we're still learning that too. Yeah. We're still a baby a restaurant, you know? And, um, so I think that that was unpredictable mm. in a wonderful way. I'm learning a lot and we're growing as our relationship and as a, you know, a GM and a chef, but, you know, we ran the business six months before we got married and it was like, well, we've ran the business for six months now. We haven't killed each other yet. So I think we can get married. And so it's just, it's kind of a joke, mm-hmm. but it's very serious. You have to, for one, to make it a year in a restaurant and for two, to be a husband and wife that runs it. It's very intense. Yeah. So thing I could have never imagined. It's undescribable. Yeah. Almost. My husband and I have talked about that before of like, <laughs> he likes to say that he, uh, he doesn't think he'd be able to like work with me. I think we could make it work, but it is a whole different dynamics. What do you guys, do you have to just like consciously turn off work when you're at home or is it, does it all bleed together? Like how have you figured out navigating those waters? We're still learning. A lot of the time our work is in our everyday life and that's just what it is. But we try to, and I'll just be like, no, I'm not talking about work tonight. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to do that too because we don't have much time to talk when we're at work because we have employees and there's we're doing other stuff. And mm-hmm. so I don't think it shuts off, but you can talk about, you know, it, it in a lighter way. You can't really shut it off. It's very hard because again, and I use this term, the baby, this restaurant is our life. It's what we've created together mm-hmm. and it's very important to us. We've put our heart and soul into this. And so making it better or talking about certain situations and it does come out in our personal time, but it's because we're, we're always trying to, to be the best mm-hmm. and it gets frustrating because even this past week I was like, man, we don't ever get to have any fun. Like our days off are not fun. <laughs> I have to keep this in perspective. We got a whole month off to go travel and Mm. we focused on our relationship a lot. You know, you take that time to focus on your life and your relationship and, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity that we get. But when we're here, we have a lot of work to do and we have so many people that we tend to guests, you know, we have employees, we've got about 15 employees and it's a constant thing of keeping up with. So it is consuming in a good way. Yeah. Season two of this podcast is a rebrand. It's a shift in my messaging, how I show up, the questions I ask, namely because I'm shifting myself. I had a vision for this rebrand, a vague idea of what I wanted the album art to look like. But I also know this about myself. I don't love designing my own stuff. I get caught up in all of the options because there's so many I know that for me in this stage of my business, I want to outsource that. And I do. I've worked with Haley of Haley Grand for years. The first time I rebranded my blog to a real deal website, when I changed the name of my business after I got married, when I started this podcast, and now as I'm shifting this podcast. The way I elevate my brand is by working with someone who understands my vision and can take that and run. It's hard to know what to prioritize in your business. 
For me, working with Haley on rebranding design elements is a priority. Want some clarity on where to direct your focus? There's a quiz for that. Haley put together a comprehensive quiz that can help you find clarity in what your next steps are for elevating your brand. It's kind of like a personality test, but for your business. And at the end, there's actionable steps that can help you take things to the next level. Grab access to this free resource at haleygrand.com backslash stand to serve. So you, when you traveled for a month, you guys were in Japan. Is that right? Yes. So this year we went to Japan and Thailand. Last year we went to Spain, uh, France, and London. Oh my gosh. How amazing. Is it strange going to restaurants when you're traveling, like, because that is your world? I mean, is that weird or is it really pleasurable for you? Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. (laughs) We just soak it all in. You know, when we're not working and we can take the opportunity to be served, Mm. we'll just take it. And there's so many, you know, other perspectives in different restaurants and things that we need to learn as far as, you know, the Japanese are so detail oriented. It's unbelievable. Mm. It's just like cherry blossom season. They have beautiful cherry blossoms on all their trees, you know, and they have men on ladders picking off any pine needles that may have fallen on the cherry blossom tree and everything. And that's just a small example of how much they care about the details. Wow. You're driving away from the restaurant in your taxi and the owners are out there waiting for you to turn the corner and they bow. I mean, it's unbelievable how much they care. So there's so much to learn every place in the world. And there was things that we picked up as far as like flavor combinations for our menu right now. It's definitely Asian influence. And then there was some stuff in the front of the house and little small details that I loved and I brought back for the front of the house restaurant and certain things that I really liked. And those situations that wow us, it's important. And we want to just keep wowing our guests. So why Mm -hmm. wouldn't we do that? Then you have certain situations that you're like, man, this could be better, but it's still fun to go out and, you know, be served and eat good food and that it's just fun to be together. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I also love, I've been having this thought a lot lately that I grew up in a big town. I grew up in San Diego and I've lived in big towns, but I choose to live like in this small town that I live in because I love it so much. But there are things that I wish were here and I'm finding ways to bring them to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds like that's kind of what you guys are doing as well of like, bringing some of your travels and the the things that you experience in these bigger cities that you go and bringing them back to the hills. And I love that. And I love that it evolves over time and it changes. And it's so, it's just so rad. We love it too. And our guests love it. They'll walk in and just the atmosphere is a bit different than any place I've been to in the hills. But also the experience, they'll say, I feel like I'm in like, I don't know, like a much bigger city or a European city or Chicago or New York. They're like, the last place I feel right now is in Custer. 
-hmm. And we love Custer, but that experience of being like kind of out in a different area is, I think is so fun. It is fun. Yeah. I love that. And it's just an experience for them and everybody seems to really love it. Yeah. It's amazing. So Eliza, I want to ask you personally, I love what you and your husband have created and I your story is so rad and I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to hear all of it. I want to know, when do you feel like your truest self? Mm-hmm. I would have to say my truest self is a full dining room and I'm hopping around, opening up bottles of wine, getting to know our guests, seeing our regulars, laughing and just enjoying life. I, I really love. That's when I'm my truest self and being in the moment with it. You know, the people that I love, I love people that come and join us. And, and I think that's just, I'm being true to me because I'm doing actually what I love and not a lot of people can say that. Yeah. And that's like what this whole podcast is about for me is how amazing of a world would it be if everyone did you know, what really lit them up. So the fact that you guys are doing it is, I mean, it's amazing for you guys and your own happiness, but it's, it's a gift to the rest of the world that, you know, to do what you're meant to be doing and what lights you up is, yeah, it's just amazing. I would have to say like probably 90% of people don't do what they love. You don't know that for sure, but a lot of people do not do what they love. And it's so sad because of uh, social norms and what, their parents think they should be doing and everything. And I kind of felt that way being in the industry, being just a server. And a lot of people say that, like, you're just a server. And you're like, yeah, well, you know, some of these servers in Southern California are making almost six figures. So it's not just a server. Yeah. But, you know, there is a song that I love and it's called My Way by Frank Sinatra. And I had, I would like cry to this song, trying to say that it's okay to just be a server right now when I was in California. And it's just, this song is so special because he says in it, you know, I'm going to do it my way. And it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying. You just have to do it your way to be happy. And, um, I just love it. I love that I was able to take life and and do it my way because not a lot of people can. Hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that song. That is that's so beautiful. And yeah, especially I mean, our society does like we get should on all the time of all these things we should do, and you know, for you to leave the job that you got an education and go to what you love and to stay true to it and keep doing it, and then. You're now doing it with your husband. I mean, it's hard to do that when society is loud about what we should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. But, you know, at the end of the day, you no one lives your life but you, and you have to be happy. Mm. So true. It's important. I love that. So I would love to end this conversation with one of my favorite questions, and yes. um, it's from Brene Brown. And it can uh-huh. be whatever pops into your mind first. It can be uh, serious. It can be light. It can be whatever, you know, yeah. comes to your mind first. But in this season of your life with your business, with your husband, 
coming into, you know, tourist season is right upon us. So I'm sure (laughs) things are about to ramp up in a different way for you guys. But what is saving your life right now? I think walks with my dogs and exercise right now, I think, Mm. you know, and I think just taking care of myself. For the first year, it was all restaurant and I I didn't do much for myself and just as restaurant. And I think like having time to myself and with my dogs and exercising, it's very important to me and it makes you feel good, you know, the endorphins, but it releases tension. And I think just right now is just being sometimes with myself and taking care of me. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. What kind of dogs do you have? I have Socrates. Uh, he's a Malamute Husky mix. So he's a big boy. And then we just adopted another dog named Cowboy. And he's a great Pyrenees and a Greyhound mix. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're just a hoot. They love each other. They're brothers and they just met and they're just great. Oh, we'll have to put a photo of them in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll send the adoption photo with them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's sweet. How amazing was that? I loved that episode. I loved hearing from Eliza. I love the story behind building Skogan. If you haven't been there yet, like call and make a reservation ASAP. Okay. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you want to hear more from Eliza, where to find Skogan, head over to standtoserve.com backslash episode 34.